The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. We are um, unfortunately potentially approaching a very dangerous period, um, not ideologically, but in a very sort of literal and and pragmatic sense, a, a dangerous period, what could be dangerous for many Americans, uh, because President Donald Trump, in his latest series of rage tweets, amplified a message reportedly from one of his fans that things are soon to escalate and it could be a dangerous moment in America, which, of course, is likely to have the effect of planting that idea in his followers and actually making it so a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts. So let me back up and kind of give you the genesis of all of this yesterday morning after a couple of days of relative calm on Twitter. And I, I use that phrase very, very loosely. Um, Donald Trump uh, amplified some dangerous messages and also sent some messages of his own attacking Joe Biden, attacking Republican Governor Brian Kemp. And this now is of uh, getting to be extremely concerning over what is going to be a, a five or six week period of this nonsense. I predict it started with a sort of strange all capital letters tweet where Donald Trump said merely wisdom and courage. Very strange thing to say. And then he he quoted an unnamed fan supposedly from one of his rallies as reported supposedly by propaganda network OAN. And this is where Donald Trump amplifies the idea of a dangerous moment with huge escalation, saying, quote, and this is quote, quote, this is me quoting Trump, quoting OAN, quoting a Trump supporter. People are upset. They have a right to be. Georgia not only supported Trump in 2016, but now that that's untrue, of course, this is the only state in the deep south that went for Biden. Have they lost their minds? And yeah, I mean, Biden won. That's it. This is going to escalate dramatically. This is a very dangerous moment in our history. The fact that our country is being stolen, a coup is taking place in front of our eyes and the public can't take this anymore. Now, that's all untrue. And Trump quotes a Trump fan at a Georgia rally per OAN and then says bad. After that, Donald Trump went after Republican Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. Why? Because Kemp won't illegally steal the election for Trump. Kemp is no good guy. I really want people to understand this. When when I've been saying this week, Kemp doesn't seem willing to try to steal Georgia for Trump. Um, I believe Kemp Kemp is horrible. Kemp participated in voter suppression in the very election in which he was a candidate for governor against Stacey Abrams. Kemp has overseen the continued purging of voter rolls and everything else that we've been talking about. And I wouldn't even put it past Kemp to try to steal Georgia if doing so would give Trump the presidency. What what may be going on here is Kemp realizes even if I try to fraudulently steal Georgia for Trump, Trump still doesn't win. It just reduces the number of electoral votes by which Joe Biden wins. And so, listen, Kemp's no good guy, but Trump's furious with him because Kemp won't try to steal it for him. Trump tweeting, how does Governor Brian Kemp allow certification of votes without verifying signatures? And despite the recently released tape of ballots being stuffed, remember that those tapes have been completely debunked. His poll numbers has, have dropped like a rock. He is finished as governor. I have no I mean, listen. Uh, as we spoke about yesterday with Benjamin Dixon, there's a lot of Republican infighting in Georgia. This may all damage in the end calculation, in the final math. This may hurt Brian Kemp or it may not with Georgia Republicans. We don't know, but it's certainly not clear at this time. And of course, most of these tweets flagged by Twitter as being misleading or disputed. And then Donald Trump merely calling on the Supreme Court to steal the election for him, saying, quote, the Supreme Court has a chance to save our country, capital C country, from the greatest capital E election abuse in the history of the United States. Seventy eight percent of the people feel no, the election was rigged. So when Trump chooses to quote and amplify some alleged follower who's saying this is about to escalate, and this will become a dangerous moment for the United States. 
it's very, very dangerous for Trump to do. Now, Trump can hide behind. I didn't say it. I was quoting a fan, but it's fanning the flames when the president does this. It's dog whistling when the president does this. And this could get very ugly very quickly. And I have no idea what Trump supporters are willing to do. What are they capable of as they are inevitably seeing? I mean, it's happening daily. Every lawsuit getting tossed each day. Trump continues to claim he won and each day leads us to nothing other than being one day closer to Joe Biden being sworn in as president on January 20th. So it is scary. And um, I get emails, you know, two, three, four emails a day, not dozens like when I you know, say the wrong thing, but two, three, four emails a day from people who are saying, listen, I live in this red state. I'm worried about this or that because these people are furious. These people literally believe the things that Donald Trump is saying. They're not you know, they don't interpret I was robbed as I should have won, but I didn't. They interpret I was robbed as specific Democrats manipulated votes and stole and cheated and uh, hacked and all this different stuff. And that the will of the people was that Donald Trump would win. They, they literally believe that that's what Trump is saying. And who knows what they are potentially willing to do. Um, we, we all we can do is follow it and see and hope for the best. This is sort of a funny detail about the presidential transition. Typically during the inauguration, there's this few hour period during which furniture is swapped out at the White House for the incoming president. Artwork is changed. There's a little bit of redecorating that's done and it's you know all happening very, very quickly because of the coronavirus pandemic. This time around, there's an extra detail, which is that Joe Biden has already made plans to spray down the entire White House with disinfectant in that interim period after Trump leaves and before Joe Biden arrives. As you probably know, the White House has been suffering a plague of covid infections. That includes Trump himself and many other people. I won't list them. So they're going to go in and hit the doorknobs and everything. And for me, this is more about the optics and the poetic meaning of disinfecting the White House from Trump, because Listen, we learned. Remember early on in the pandemic where people were uh, uh, bleaching uh, uh, groceries, including just like boxed groceries where you, you could just open the box. And anyway, and then we found out that the surface transmission was really quite low. That was probably a bit overblown. Um, so for me, this is this is not really about spraying down the White House with disinfectant, misting disinfectant to literally prevent someone who works for Biden from catching the virus from a surface via, via someone who worked for Trump. For me, it's more about the poetic meaning of going through the White House, misting disinfectant everywhere. It's more about the metaphor of getting rid of Trump and his failed response to the pandemic. You still love to see it. The visual is going is to think about is hilarious, but it's more for me about cleaning the White House, not literally of Trump's germs, but of the incompetent leadership of the virus. I'm calling this fumigate. I'm not even a dad. And I was able to tell that joke. I was actually thinking, though. Um, so first, my thought was maybe Biden should sleep somewhere else a few days and give it 48, 72 hours before walking into the White House. But the truth is, Trump may well be gone by then. This is the other story, and we've been covering this for the last seven to 10 days. It's still unclear whether Donald Trump is going to stick around and actually go to the inauguration. One other possibility is he will fly out right before the inauguration directly to a rally at which he will continue to claim he won or maybe even announce his 2024 candidacy. That would be completely corrosive to democracy. He might also head to Florida in just about 10 or 15 days for Christmas and New Year and just not come back to Washington, D.C. That's another speculation. We really don't know and we don't care as long as he leaves. Now, if I were Biden to be safe, I would spray. I would treat for bed bugs. I would check for electronic bugs as well. Check for false paneled walls. Check Melania's rose garden for listening devices put the solar panels back on. I would do the whole thing if I were Joe Biden and think about how quickly things have changed, where at the beginning of this pandemic, before any of them even remotely accepted this might be a big thing. Republicans were joking about wearing gas masks. Remember Matt Gates wearing a big gas mask on the floor of, of Congress. He ended up getting the virus. Um, they were making fun of China having trucks spraying disinfectant. 
And just months later, the incoming president is going to have disinfectant sprayed in much the same manner throughout the White House to clean it from the outgoing president. Things change very quickly. My only concern is let's start figuring this out. Let's get competent leadership. We know that Joe Biden is going to mandate masks at federal buildings. We know Joe Biden is going to ask Americans to wear masks for 100 days. We are hoping that we will start getting five, six, seven percent of the U.S. population vaccinated each month, hopefully starting this month, maybe only a few percent this month and five, six, seven, eight percent in January, another five to eight percent in February. And we're going to we're going to start. Um, hopefully the economic recovery will come with it. We're going to talk about second coronavirus stimulus. We're going to be here and there's going to be so much to do. But this transition is metaphorical in as much as of a sense as, as it is literal. Uh, let me know what you think. I'm on Twitter at D Pacman and we've got a great show for you today. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com. If you are anything like me, you probably aren't thrilled with the idea of going into a doctor's office right now. And thankfully, there is a practical and affordable way to take control of your health and get personalized care from the comfort of your home. It's a service called Steady MD. They're one of our sponsors. You take a quiz, you get matched with a licensed primary care physician who understands your health needs. You have a one hour video call with your new doctor. You establish a meaningful relationship with them. And after that, your doctor is available to you anytime by text, phone or video chat. This is not a random doctor on call. Each doctor at Steady MD has a limited number of patients, so they actually have time to listen to you. You get the personal attention that you deserve. They can do almost everything an in-person doctor can do perform medical evaluations, talk to you about health concerns, send prescriptions to your home or local pharmacy and anything they can't do online. They'll quickly set you up with an in-person provider to do things like blood tests. As an example, you don't need insurance. It's only ninety nine bucks a month with no other fees or copays. There are so many practical advantages to using steady MD for primary care, and it's also so much more affordable. Go to steadymd.com slash Pacman to take the free quiz and see which doctor is right for you. I took their quiz. They matched me with a doctor who specializes in my particular health needs. The doctor they gave me is a really perfect fit for me. Again, that's steadymd.com slash Pacman. There's no risk, no commitment to get started. That's S T E A D Y M D.com forward slash P A K M A N. A lot of the shirts you see me wearing on YouTube are actually made by a company called Teddy Stratford. I love these shirts and that's why I asked them to be a sponsor of the show. It really is the most innovative shirt you can buy because most slim fit button up shirts give you this weird stretched out gap in the chest where the buttons are. You don't get that with the Teddy Stratford shirts because all of their shirts come with a patented zipper hidden beneath the buttons, which prevents the chest from stretching apart like that. But most importantly, just overall, it makes the shirt fit much better and look better. The carefully designed shirt is also cut in a way that improves the look of your upper body physique. It has a really nice, elegant, close fit that other shirts don't really give you. It also has a specially designed collar that won't fall down and lay flat, which I love. The difference all around with these shirts really is noticeable. Go check them out at davidpackman.com slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15% off your first order if you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout. That's P-A-K-M-A-N. The David Pacman Show at davidpackman.com. Remember that the number one way to support the David Pakman show is to get yourself a membership at joinpacman.com. You may not know this because I, I mention it so infrequently, but we do have a membership program. Joinpacman.com is the place to sign up. Let's hear from some folks in the audience. We're getting close to the end of the year. We will soon have a new president. What is on folks' minds? 
You can talk to me through our discord server, davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's go first to Kelsey from Colorado. Kelsey from Colorado, you're on the air. What's going on? Hey, David, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Uh, well, hey, I'm a big fan of the show. Um, Thank you. Been watching ever since I think August, so it's been keeping me mentally sane. I love it. Um, I guess my question is, what do you think is the end game for um, the Republican Party as a whole? I know they're kind. Of, it seems like they're fragmented, and I saw. Um, the footage of Lou, Do Lou Dobbs and Stephen Miller kind of figuring yep. out what what's happening. And <laughs> I'm just kind of to see what is the long game for them to stay in existence, because I, I just don't see it happening with more people seeming to get involved and younger generations coming up. Um, what do you think is their end game? So you mean you don't mean just between their, their antics between now and inauguration day for Biden. You mean like really long term for the survival of the party? Yeah, because honestly, like they'll keep going. But I think it seems that more people are going to get tired of it. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like it's not sustainable. So I don't know if they're playing to just reform or what the deal is. But what do you think is their end game? You know, people have been asking this for so long and for a long time now we've been hearing the Republican Party will eventually go out of existence because subsequently younger generations are more and more on the left. That reversed a little bit because actually young voters supported Trump at a slightly higher level than, than we would have expected relative to past Republicans in 2020 or demographic changes, including more Latino voters going to some key red states are going to make those states purple and eventually blue and the Republican Party won't be sustainable. So far, that's not happened. Now, part of the reason, Kelsey, it hasn't happened is voter suppression, gerrymandering, right? Figuring out ways other than winning the hearts and minds of voters to keep winning by preventing people from voting or whatever the case may be. I think that the important takeaway is um, predictions of the Republican Party's demise on demographic grounds have fallen short for decades at this point. So we should not assume that they will simply uh, uh, go out of existence because of the platform. I, I believe that they will. It's not even going to be reform, but they will just tweak and adjust to continue raising a lot of money from donors on key wedge issues, keep suppressing the vote and, and they are not going to go away. What they will look like in 10 or 20 years, I don't pretend to know. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like they're I, I that's what my fear is, is that the reforming is just going to get more and more ensconced and um, you, you're just going to have to fight harder to resist that. I, I agree. And in particular now with uh, you know, com completely propaganda based news outlets, everything from, you know, Breitbart, Gateway Pundit, Newsmax, OAN, which people think are actual news. It's going to be a big fight. It's going to be a big fight. We can't underestimate the importance of that. So it's a big battle we have ahead of us. Right, right. Well, great. Thanks for uh, taking my call and talking to me. All right. Kelsey from Colorado. Very much appreciate that uh, that call. Uh, we are taking calls at davidpackman.com slash discord. Let's go next to uh, Jagger from Chicago. Jagger from Chicago. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. How uh, are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Good. Uh, with Trump going to Florida and such, supposedly when he leaves the White House. Yeah. Does, you know, sort of thing. Uh. Does this sort of remind you of like how the Civil War started in terms of history of uh, him going to Florida and sort of seceding from there? In or the sense of like Trump goes, Trump goes to the south and maybe generates a rebellion from like a parallel position of leadership down at Mar-a-Lago or something. Yeah, similar to how the Civil War started. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I mean, you know, it's always like. If if you um, I'm I'm here's the thing that's difficult about this. I don't know if you're familiar, uh, Jagger, with the book uh, Black Swans by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Have you heard of that book? I have not. This uh, Nassim Taleb works with the idea of rare events and the fundamental nature of how it's difficult to because these black swan events are so rare 
there's no way to properly account for them in our thinking. So like a former president going to Florida and starting uh, uh, the equivalent of a modern Confederacy generating a civil war because it would be such a black swan event. It's hard to to really take it too seriously. So obviously, in retrospect, we may say, oh, my God, obviously, that's what Trump did. It was one of these black swan events, but it does not strike me as as particularly likely. Oh, OK. And do you think there's going to be genuine healing then in that case? Genuine healing Biden administration? Uh, no, probably not. I mean, you understand that at this point you have such a highly weaponized piece of the electorate um, that I mean, we, we've had partisanship for a long time. That's not new. But you you've seen Trumpism and the uh, l- sort of a legitimization of some of these propaganda right wing media outlets lead to a really difficult situation to actually heal because listen, I mean, we may have an inauguration day, Jagger, where the news networks are broadcasting the swearing in of the new president and OAN and Newsmax are broadcasting a Trump rally in Florida and don't even cover the fact that there's a new president. Like we 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 may actually see that. And that's not an environment where there's going to be any real healing to speak of. Well, thank you for taking my call. It's unfortunate. This is the way it is. But yeah. My pleasure. Thank you. Jagger from Chicago. Uh, Very much appreciate hearing from you. Let's go next to Roland from Vienna. Now, is that Vienna, Austria? Or I know that there's cities and towns called Vienna in the United States as well. That's Vienna, Austria, David. Beautiful. Hello from Europe. Beautiful. You know, I if we did not have the virus, I would have been in Vienna in August and I could be talking with you right now about my favorite restaurants in Vienna. But unfortunately, I I didn't go because of the virus. Well, listen, mate, I have a second apartment that I was using to uh, for COVID. It was quite convenient. Yeah. So give me a ring. Stop on over. All right. I will take it. Uh, What you have a king size bed or am I going to have to sleep in like a bunk? Separate apartment, dude. No, no, I know. But does the apartment have a a big bed or a small bed? Um, regular, regular, two people. regular uh, is perfect. Size and uh, queen size is American. So it's just a double. For us. I love it. I love it. So listen, I'm from Austria, right? And I'm watching this. Well, I, I was watching it. It's safe Harbor Day now, but 2016, we elected our president. Yeah. And that got, we did a do over because uh, our right wingers did exactly what yours are doing. Mm. They went to the courts and on, uh, on, uh, you know, on, uh, what do you call it? Like official errors. They they called the election back and we had to do a do over. I'm not and, familiar uh, with that. Ro- that's that's uh, <laughs> that's scary. No, I so still it, don't think it will it happen. Was the presidential here. election. Yeah. And it was funny because we ended up saying uh, it was the most successful election of the right wing party. And we ended up saying, well, they they uh, successfully challenged it. Yeah. They successfully challenged their most successful election and then lost. So we pulled together, you know. So is your um, is your message a message of warning that it could happen here as well? A lot of people are saying it's impossible. I think it is now after Safe Harbor Day. Yeah. But it has happened in Western civilized countries. Well, and I think this uh, will be important. This will be the M- this will be the MO going forward for a lot of right wing uh, crazy parties. They will just try to steal elections they've lost. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I don't disagree. Listen, with I have you. a quick question. Yes. Do you think Biden is going to do the full term? Everyone's talking about Trump 2024. He's going to be a very old man. I don't even see Biden doing the full term. In fact, I would be interested. What do you think the chances are that Biden hands over after the 2022 midterm elections to Kamala to allow her to be in the driving seat for her first election? I I mean, again, that would be such a rare event in presidential history that me saying I think it's this percent or that percent would would be essentially be meaningless. Um, I, I I am aware of the actuarial tables and life expectancy, and I have a sort of realistic understanding of the fact that Joe Biden is 78 and Donald Trump uh, would would be that age or even older if he were to run in 24. But I, I, I wouldn't be able to make any specific prediction, but I do expect Joe Biden to serve a full term. Great. Listen, Dave, uh, longtime listener, you really uh, I like your style, neutral, but still left leaning. And, you know, I think everyone knows, because if you look at Sam Cedar's uh, YouTube account numbers, he's not even at the one million mark yet. (laughs) That's a low blow. That's a low blow. That's a low blow. That's aggressive, Roland. 
Thank you. Well, I'll, I'll leave you. I'll leave you with this low blow. You know, I also don't think that you need your own your own OnlyFans channel. Okay. I think you can show your zook off on your tremendous boner show. That'll be sufficient <laughs> for us. All right, Roland from Vienna. And uh, Roland, are you pro or anti Salzburg, Austria? Is it good there? Is it nice? So my parents are there. It's uh, you know very hoity-toity. Oh. Um, it's nice. It's nice. The rural areas are nice. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's very, it's very condensed. Us Viennese, we say Salzburg and Vienna has the same amount of tourists, but Salzburg is 10, 10 times as small. So. Right. Right. And can you, can you get a, can you get a good cappuccino in Salzburg? Oh, oh, listen, David, I, I'm sorry to quote you, <laughs> your cappuccino because it's melange in Austria. Oh, is that what it's called there? Melange, a Viennese melange. Yeah, Vienna is the home of coffee house culture. Well, listen, I'm going to have to go there when you're here, please. Thank you. All right. Roland from Vienna and uh, producer Pat, we will have to we will have to bleep the F bomb. That was very, very strongly dropped there, Uh, but he felt very strongly about it. And and, and so I sort of um, I sort of understand, I guess I would say, let's go next to uh, let's go to Ty from Connecticut. Ty from Connecticut. You're on the air. Hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah, Vienna sounds pretty nice right now. Yeah, uh, or uh, with that other place. <laughs> I my question is a two parter. Okay, and it's a little more abstract uh, than I think the other question has been a little more direct, a little more kind of in the weeds. Do you think that Donald Trump is an effective political communicator? Well, see, here's what's very interesting: Trump's statements. Trump's delivery is one of the most incoherent I've ever heard from a president in the sense that he will, you know, make up words, say things that don't make sense, say one thing and then say the opposite, never answer a question, lie like analyzing it objectively. He can barely put together a sentence if you're if you're like logical and rational. But at the same time, which is what I'm going to at the same time. His way, his method of communication has been hugely effective to the people that are even likely to consider voting for him. Right. So his method won't work for somebody who sees Trump and says this is a grotesque, ignorant buffoon. But for folks who are open to the idea of being told the reason you don't make more money is because of China and I will fix it or Mexico and I will fix it. It it actually is effective. So so the answer, it's not a, there's not a clear cut answer. It depends on who you're trying to appeal to. Right. So the second part is and you can you can rearrange the question how you want, but. I kind of want to try to do a broader subject, which is, do you think sort of the Democratic establishment, uh, the I don't, I don't know, the DNC, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton. Do you think that they are effective political communicators? And I'm going to actually add this too. Yeah. Uh, and you can you can answer it however you want. But I, I maybe you can even touch back on the Trump thing. I think when I think of the question like effective political communicator, I think of like getting quote what they want done, whether whatever what they want is. If I or you might disagree with it. Do, do you think that they are effective political communicators in that way? And I'm just going to the reason why I'm asking the question is I don't think they are. And I suspect that you might. And I I want to hear kind of like your explanation why you do. Honestly, totally of the people of the people yeah. you listed, the only one that I think is really an effective political communicator Barack is Barack Obama. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. You know, they're they're in the positions they're in, not because of being gifted speakers. They're in the positions they're in because of being gifted schmoozers and fundraisers and insiders um, as far as Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, you know, Joe, Joe Biden is not what he was at one point. I think in the late uh, in the early 2000s and while he was vice president, I think Joe Biden was quite an effective political communicator, although he wasn't always in positions of of, of that speech making a, as big of a difference. But of the people you listed, Barack Obama is the one that really, you know, Bill Clinton in his heyday was a very effective political communicator. And as you're saying, this is aside from policy. But right. no, the people you listed mostly are not great communicators. What then you have to consider as a whole sort of the Democratic establishment. I look, is the Republican establishment good political communicators? I'm not sure. Maybe to their demographic. Yes, exactly. But 
I, I guess just to sort of uh, round up the question, the democratic establishment as a whole, if they want to, you know, and this is, <laughs> this is kind of where I get frustrated. Presumably their agenda is not the Republicans agenda. Right. So, I mean, you know, if, if you have an agenda, that's not the Republicans agenda. Are you effective at getting people to be motivated to politically, whether it be vote for you or whatever, go, you know, vote in the Senate, whatever, you know, are, are, are you, you know, and this is where I kind of from the left get really concerned. And I think that your comments have been actually rather refreshing, but yeah, as the establishment, cause I think this is where they need to, you know, I think, they, they, I think everyone thinks this and is looking at this, honestly, like, you know, you know, it's like a branding problem, I guess, if you're. Yeah. And a, listen, that's right. we've been, we, you know, check out my interview from who knows how long ago uh, with George Lakoff about this issue. Like I've not I've not hesitated to, uh, to to point this out. It's absolutely a problem. Listen, I've got to run because I've got a bunch yep. of people to get yep. to. I appreciate the call. We're taking just a very, very quick break. If you're holding on to talk to me, don't hang up because I'll be going right back to the phones momentarily. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. I want to take a second to tell you about one of our sponsors, SNH Masks. SNH Masks has everything you need when it comes to face masks and other protective gear for COVID-19. And they're giving my audience 20% off. SNH Masks is the company that I've personally been going to for face masks. I love and trust the products they sell. And that's actually why I reached out to them about being a sponsor. I've tried tons of different face masks this year, like many of you, and I still have not found a mask that is more comfortable or easier to breathe in than the washable cotton masks that they sell. It's made of a silky lightweight cloth that feels great on the skin, has a convenient adjustable strap, and it features a disposable five layer particle filter made of activated carbon. They also have disposable cloth masks, which are really comfortable, as well as all of the other gear like face shields, alcohol wipes, no touch infrared thermometers. And all of their prices are very reasonable. I also love SNH masks because they've donated over 60,000 masks to healthcare institutions. They're an excellent company. Shipping is just five bucks and shipping is free on orders over one hundred and fifty dollars. You can get there by going to davidpackmancom slash mask. The link is in the podcast notes and you can save 20 percent on everything in their store when you use coupon code David. I want to let you know that our sponsor Vincero Watches is having a massive holiday sale on all of their products right now, and you can take advantage of it by going to davidpackmancom slash watch a brand new high quality wristwatch really is the perfect way to add something fresh to your style, whether it's for you or a gift for someone else. Vincero is a brand that has a serious dedication to the craft of watchmaking, which is really evident when you look closely at their watches. I wear Vincero watches myself. Lately, I've been wearing one from their Icon Automatic collection. It's the mesh matte black watch, and I love the sleek minimalist design. Their watches are actually sold at a fair price. Their mission has always been to make a wristwatch from high end materials, but one that everyday people can afford. And that's why they have over twenty five thousand five star reviews, because you won't find a better made watch for this great of a price anywhere else. You can get big holiday discounts on all of their products right now and free shipping when you go to davidpackmancom slash watch. I've put the link in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. Let's get back to the phones. We now we call them phones. They're really the Internet tubes. We're taking calls via discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's go to Jane from Singapore. Jane from Singapore. You're on the air. Hi. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm I'm very well, thank you. Wow, I'm surprised you called on me. Oh no, um, a, Jane from Singapore is exactly the, what we would gravitate towards. I I think that your show has been very enlightening for me. Thank you. And I basically 
signed up to be a member because I watched your video with um uh this this other guy. Um I can't remember his name though. Um and basically I thought you were so he he was a right wing um believer, I believe. And you were just so polite and so conversational and so accepting of listening to his views and I just respected that so much. Wow, I and wonder so, yes. who that was. Was it uh was it maybe Tim Poole? Was he wearing a hat during the interview? No, it was it was a black guy who who keeps oh, Jesse saying Lee amazing. Peterson. Jesse Lee Peterson. Yes, that's right. Got that's it. That's the one. Got it. <laughs> so I mean, I, I think that, you know, the way the US system has been running, it's 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 a great disappointment because we all look to the US as honestly a shining beacon of democracy. Mm. And I'm just wondering, honestly, you know, how how the system would run with I mean, even Republicans showing a great drift. Um, you know, on one hand, you have a bunch of guys who are denying that the election's outcomes are, are, are legitimate. And on the other hand, people are saying, you know, uphold election results. The Republicans are saying there's no fraud. How, how, how does that even work in a party? How do you go forward from here? Yeah, I mean, think? listen, it's it's really a question for them to answer because as someone who's on the left, I see it and I say this is corrosive and destructive to democracy. This is going to um, uh, lead to if this is believed by a significant portion of the population, it's going to lead to all sorts of follow on problems. To me, it seems untenable and unsustainable. Now, it's interesting that you're, you're saying from the perspective of looking at what's going on from Singapore, it's not so much that you find it funny, you find it disturbing, it sounds like. I do. Yeah, I find it. I find it how how Trump has weaponized the two words fake news. Right. Um, very disturbing. People, you know, how, how do people raise kids on such values? I mean, you know, there's all this talk about the re recovery, um, healing the country. But do, do people, Democrats and Republicans, people on, you know, on the street, do they actually take the first steps towards recovery, towards conversation, towards dialogue? No, of course Is not. Is there a no. sense? Do In fact, I, I would expect. So if Donald Trump announces that his 2024 candidacy soon, I think that we will have four years of, of insanity once again. Um, and mm. I think that either way, the presence of these propaganda media outlets like Newsmax and OAN that are going to I mean, they are. Go I can't even guess what sorts of conspiracies they will come up with about Joe Biden over the next four years. It's going right. to be the opposite of healing that we see here. Can I ask a question? Uh, just just get your viewpoint. Yeah. Um, do you think that Donald Trump would try to cut a deal with, with the, the DOJ, perhaps, to say, you know, I will, I will completely accept the election results if you guys just not charge me or pursue any sort of criminal investigations? No chance, because, so, so, because here's no the chance. thing. Here's the thing, Jane. <laughs> if he does it now, it's his own DOJ. So, mm. so what, that, yeah. that doesn't make sense. And then... That's not something that the Biden deal. I mean, Biden will be president in a mm -hmm. month, you know, so Biden doesn't need to cut any deals with anybody. And I, I, I don't see I think the only way Trump can get himself out of trouble preemptively would be resign. And Mike Pence pardons him. I don't think he will do it, but there are rumors he's thinking about it. I see. I see. Yeah. Because that's what we're talking about in Singapore. We're sort of betting that he would he would step down in peace and say, I will give you country peace only if, you know, you right. guys do not prosecute me. So yeah, I don't think that will happen. I don't think that will happen. No. All right. Anyway, good luck and all the best. And I hope that um, there will be a very smooth and, and gorgeous inauguration yes. um, ceremony for, for Biden. Thank I'm, you, I'm Jane. You Jane from Singapore. Very much appreciate the call. Uh, great to hear from folks, uh, not just all over the country, but all over the world. Let's go next to um, let's go to Kyle from Daytona Beach, Florida. Kyle from Daytona Beach, Florida, you're on the air. Mr. Packman, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Excellent. It's a pleasure to speak with you. The pleasure is all mine. Content is, thank you. Thank you. Your content is very intellectually stimulating. It's, a, it. it's a nice reprieve from uh, everything that I have to hear every day living in a red state. Thank you. Now, I, I know that some people are going to get mad at me because they say I listen, I haven't brought up anybody's connection at all, but we are getting sort of like an electricity type static as well as a banging noise. So I'm wondering what you're doing. 
I'm sitting on my bed. I can turn off the fan and shut my bedroom door quickly. <laughs> You're not crinkling um, pieces of paper over the phone by chance? Wow. Oh, my God. We're going to have to turn that down. That isn't. OK, yeah, we're going to have to disconnect. That's just that was I don't even know that that's legal in some states. Um, we're going to I really want to hear from you, but we're going to have to get I can't subject the audience to that. And the audiologists in the audience are filing lawsuits, so not going to be able to do that at this point in time. Uh, OK, let's go next to. Um, <laughs> wow, I'm shell shocked by that. Let's go to Will from D.C. Will from D.C. You're on the air. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. Hi. I wanted to um, speak, I guess, about the. Uh, the yeah. And sorry about you. Cut have, out right when you said the key thing. You want to speak about what? Yeah, uh, the right wing media. OK, um, I, I think we all have relatives who, you know, they're they're afraid of things that we sort of have difficulty comprehending, I guess. I guess my question is, you know, with COVID and a lot of what's going on with dangers of the virus and climate change, mm -hmm. how much do you think that uh, the government is going to get better at, I guess, aligning what people are actually in danger from and what their fears are, I guess, as when it comes to right wing propaganda, I know that, you know, it's Rush Limbaugh's Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse with uh, science being one of them as something that's out to get you. With all the misinformation with COVID and everything that's going on, do you think that the government sort of in terms of institutions and public awareness is going to be a little more aggressive about trying to, to insert themselves into that into that into that loop and, and try to subvert a lot of this misinformation that's going on about, you know, I mean, I, I, there are people who are more afraid that, you know, Antifa is going to hurt them than they're going to die of heart disease in their 60s. And obviously that's ridiculous. Uh, so in other but, words, it's like but, uh, we, we know that people dramatically overstate how likely they are to be victims of a terrorist attack, but they dramatically understate how likely they are, for example, to get into a car accident, which is uh, overwhelmingly more common. Exactly. And I yeah. think that's one of the government's main functions is to is to try to align our fears and from to what we're actually in danger of being harmed by. I, right. I, I, I mean, listen, if the if as a country and I, when I say that, I don't mean just some people, if, if, if 330 million people all understood the virus, for example, we would have way fewer deaths because people would be cooperating. If more people understood the risk from climate change, we would not have the politicization that we do as to what to do about climate change. I completely agree with you. I don't know how you change that narrative, because when you have such a, a weaponized disinformation propaganda network of uh, of channels um, combined with educational issues, combined with partisanship used to raise money, I don't know how you start doing it, but I'm completely on board with you as far as identifying the problem that people misjudge the risks they over and understate the risks in different areas in ways that are uh, counterproductive. Absolutely. I, I guess. Do you think the Biden administration is going to maybe have government institutions that are more proactive about public awareness about this kind of stuff? I hope so. I mean, listen, their first big test will be the virus. Fauci's going to be working uh, with Biden and he's bringing in a coronavirus sort of chief or czar Jeff Zintz, I think his name is. I forget his name exactly. And he's going to ask for 100 days of mask wearing and he's going to oversee the vaccine distribution. Let that that'll be the first test. Let's check in in you know, April 15th and see how it's going. Absolutely. Well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate your comment. My pleasure. Uh, great to hear from you. A lot of uh, very interesting calls today at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's. Oh, this is interesting. Let's go to Firas from Saudi Arabia. You're calling from Saudi Arabia right now. Yes, I am. Nice to meet you, Dave. Likewise. And are you are you Saudi or are you uh, someone working or living there? No, I'm originally from Saudi. Uh, I'm living here in called the city Jeddah. Wow. Um, yes, I am. Is the David Pakman show big in Saudi Arabia? To be honest, I'm not 100 percent sure, you know, because I've been watching some news about what happened this uh, COVID-19 or oh, the, the case is like over 15 million. My God, I'm very uh, shocked. 
Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, what can I do for you today? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question about Donald Trump. Um, I don't. When I see the on the news um, something about the uh, Operation Warp Speed. Yes. It all, all, all this, this uh, election, all this, any. It's all. It's a complete mess. And now he's making a self full of it. I don't know how the. Um, sorry, my cat was meowing. Yeah, I can hear your your cat seems very, very aggressive. He's always like this. Um, <laughs> just one second, please. Sure, sure. Listen, I may even okay. have more questions okay. for you, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. So uh, how do you feel about um, opening up women driving? Is that something you you like? Hmm. Not really, but I'm just kind of surprised that women finally can drive uh, uh, in the Arab. But that's the good news. But so hold on a second. You said you don't like it, but it is good news. No, 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 no. I I didn't say I don't like it. Yanni, uh, I'm, I'm not I don't know the, the question, to be honest. No, no. I'm just asking, are you in favor of women getting the, the ability to uh, the legal ability to drive in Saudi Arabia? Hmm. Yeah, I th I think they have ability to drive. No, I understand. Of course, they have the physical ability, just like anybody else. But are you p politically speaking? Do you do you like that? Are you in favor of it? In favor? Uh, do you support yeah. women driving in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, I support it. You do. Sorry about that. That's great. I yeah, because, because my sister, I have a sister, to be honest, because she needs to drive as well. Right. As a practical matter, you support it. Yes. Yeah. All right, Fearis, listen, um, mm. this is all very, very interesting. I'm going to let you go because we do have a lot of people waiting, but a very interesting phone call. Um, and we had a cat and we had a number, number of different things going on there. Uh, let's go next to. Where do we want to go next? Because there's just such a plethora of people wanting to get on. Why don't we go to um, let's go to Zaylor from Rhode Island. Zaylor from Rhode Island. You're on the air. Hello, David. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. I must say I love discord. For some reason on the phone line, I would uh, you would say something and I would hear it 10 seconds later. So this is much nicer. That's beautiful. All right. So if we win both the Senate seats in Georgia, which I hope we do with Ossoff and uh, Warnock, Rather. Yes. How likely is it that there might be a Democrat defector in the Senate that might cause a problem? So I know that, for instance, Joe Manchin, he's still in the Senate in West Virginia. Correct? Mm -hmm. Is it that despite us getting 50 seats, that that's going to be uh, an issue for us? I, I agree. I mean, listen, it, when you think about something like, you know, uh, the public option that Joe Biden wants, um, it's not even clear every Democrat supports that. I don't know if Joe Manchin supports that. So the 50 50 with Kamala as the tiebreaker is the starting point. But you are going to potentially have a lot of trouble actually whipping all the votes that that you would need to even get to the 50. So I completely agree with you. Now, on the other side of that, there may be some reasonable, slightly marginally more reasonable Republicans that would be willing to come over as well. But I think you're completely right that just getting to 50 50 with Kamala as the theoretical tie breaking vote, it doesn't really get big legislation le legislation done. It's still going to be a big fight. Yeah. And obviously the moderate Dems are slaves to their districts, whoever elected them. Uh, are there even any Republicans who could be persuaded over for legislation like that, like that could defect from their side? It depends on the issue completely. Uh, you're not going to get Susan Collins to come over and say Medicare for all. Right. But there there are certainly ways in which. You know, there are probably funding related things or or, you know, priorities or whatever, where Joe Manchin, because of his West Virginia electorate, might not be with the Democrats. But Susan Collins, because of the main electorate, might be with the Democrats. So there, there are definitely examples, but you're not going to pass like tax reform. Biden's tax reform proposal 
you're not going to get that because of Republicans with Joe Manchin not participating. That's not going to happen. You're going to need every Democrat for that. And how how much of a problem of a thorn in the side do you think the filibuster might be if we do get um, very close margins on legislation? I think for- it will be a problem. I, I think that if if Democrats do get 50 50 and Biden is in a position to pass some major legislation, I do think the issue of the filibuster will come up. But on what issue, I don't yet know. And what do you think so far with the Supreme Court that we have now? Yeah. And even previous to the death of RGB or RBG, rather, mm-hmm. RBG, RBG, right? Um, the legislation, uh, the, I mean, the cases, rather, that passed through the Supreme Court, I remember that there was the victory with the anti discrimination for trans, trans people, if I remember correctly, but that happened not too long ago. Do you see any uh, cases or any important decisions being made by the Supreme Court? That could be negative given uh, the now uh, very cemented conservative majority on the court. A- absolutely. I wouldn't be able to say what we first have to see what comes before the court. But I- I'm very worried about the, uh, about the Supreme Court for sure. Listen, I've got to run, Zaylor, but I appreciate the call. I love that so many people called in. I'm not able to take more calls today, but we will take more calls soon and we will take a quick break and be back with much more. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. If you ever feel like you just don't have enough time to read all the books you want to read, you have to check out one of my favorite apps called Blinkist. Blinkist takes thousands of popular nonfiction books and distills each one down into an ebook or audiobook that you can get through in just 15 minutes where you're getting all the key takeaways from the book. Just imagine how you'll be able to expand your horizons and knowledge by being able to soak up all of the important insights from 10 different books in an afternoon. Obviously, it's perfect for exposing yourself to a new book you otherwise wouldn't have time for, or you can use it to revisit a book you've already read or use it to preview a book before you buy the full version and read it. I recently read A Brief History of Time, of course, by the great Stephen Hawking. This is a book that I have been aware of for so long and other things got in the way. And it was fantastic to check it out on Blinkist. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free and get 25 percent off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. One of our sponsors is privacy.com. They're giving you $5 when you sign up for their completely free service at privacy.com slash Pacman. I've been using privacy for a little over a year now. You've heard me talk about it before. It's a lifesaver. And here's how it works. Takes just a couple of minutes to set up. Anytime you buy something online or on the phone, instead of actually using your real credit card number, the privacy app and the browser plugin let you give each company a randomized virtual credit card number that you create out of thin air. It'll even autofill the card number with one click and the payment is taken out of your checking account without the merchant ever knowing your real information. So this allows you to keep your banking information secure, but also to take control of your finances. You can create up to 12 of these virtual credit cards a month. You can set spending limits. You can freeze them. You can delete them anytime you want. So when you do this, it means you're not going to be charged when you don't want to be because you can destroy the virtual card number right after using it, which, for instance, I love using free trials because I know I won't be charged when the trial is over. If I use a virtual credit card number, you're keeping your identity private by not telling companies who you are. You're keeping your bank or credit card info protected against data breaches and identity theft. And it's free. There's no catch whatsoever. But if you want, privacy also offers a $10 a month plan that gives you 1% cash back and lets you create 36 credit cards a month and a $25 a month plan tailored more for small businesses where you can create 60 card numbers a month and much more. 
but definitely go ahead and at least get started with the free plan. You'll protect your financial info. Companies can't charge you unexpectedly. And like I said, you'll get $5 to spend when you sign up at privacy.com slash Pacman. The David Pacman show at davidpacman.com. All right, let's get directly into audience questions for the week. First one is one I've gotten from a lot of people. What happens to Donald Trump's adult children once he's out of office? The the answer will uh, uh, depend on things we don't yet know. Um, we've talked about the possibility that some of Trump's children might run for office. Uh, we've talked about the possibility that uh, Trump's children uh, or or children in law would, for example, run for Senate, as Lara Trump is reportedly thinking about doing in North Carolina. They may go back to private industry. They may be really tied up with investigations for some time. And that is why Donald Trump has reportedly been considering preemptive pardons for them. What we do know is that their sort of reentry into private life is not going to put them back where they were before this entire presidential fiasco. Uh, for example, in New York City, uh, wanted signs have been showing up uh, for Ivanka and Jared Kushner, except they say not wanted. They, they are not welcome back in New York City. And there have been some interesting articles written about how they are not likely to be sort of like reaccepted into the left leaning New York City social scene. I don't feel bad for them at all, but it is interesting. And recent news is that Jared and Ivanka have recently purchased a multi-million dollar, actually th report is thirty million dollar plot of land somewhere in Florida to build some kind of estate. So I think that how this all shakes out is not going to be known until we see the full resolution of how Donald Trump is ultimately going to sort of go out. Is he going to? eventually concede and attend Joe Biden's uh, inauguration and act like an adult. Is he going to go to Mar-a-Lago for Christmas and never come back to the White House and not attend the inauguration? And then subsequently, how tied up will Donald Trump, his family and his businesses be uh, on the basis of investigations? It's not just the Southern District of New York that is reportedly preparing a number of different investigations into possible wrongdoing by Trump and his family. There are other uh, investigators and and state prosecutors as well. So I think we're simply not going to know. Now, the other possibility that's been floated is that the future of, of Trump's children is in media as media hosts. Uh, to be perfectly frank, I see that as very unlikely. I think if the future of the Trump family is in media, it would be this idea of Trump uh, starting some kind of media outlet and alternative to Fox News. Um, more in the line of the conspiratorial rantings of, of outlets like Newsmax and OAN. But it's really unclear whether Trump actually has the appetite for that. Um, and it's really not clear that Trump is going to have the appetite. I mean, listen, uh, when narcissists lose, it is very demoralizing and they always come up with some excuse, right? Trump will rationalize his loss with it was rigged and stolen. Plus, I had the pandemic, which was just a timing thing. And if it weren't for the pandemic, I definitely would have won. He every narcissist with delusions of grandeur will not uh, rationalize losing so that it's not really losing. But it can often completely take the wind out of their sails. And listen, Trump 74. And it looks like uh, he you know, he moved his legal residence from New York to Florida, the, the Florida. There's every indication that he's going to be doing a lot of golfing. We may not see him do much, and it's possible his kids won't do that much either. It's very tough to tell. We will follow it and we will we will know more before before you know it. Uh, hey, David, are Trumpists really going to boycott the Georgia Senate elections? Don't they realize they'll just lose if they do it? Yeah, this is a great question. Earlier in the week, we talked about how by insisting that the Georgia uh, election was rigged on November 3rd and that even though Donald Trump really won, this is the claim from some on the right, even though Trump really won, Joe Biden was given the election and the electoral votes in Georgia because of some theft or, or, or wrongdoing or subterfuge. We talked about how by saying that you're at least implying that the same would take place on January 5th when we have these two Senate runoff elections, which will actually decide control of the Senate. Raphael Warnock, Democratic challenger against incumbent Kelly Leffler. 
uh, John Ossoff, Democratic challenger to incumbent David Perdue. When you insist it's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged. If people believe that, they might say, why the hell am I going to vote if it's rigged? If my vote isn't going to count, if the Democrats are going to steal it anyway, I'm going to stay home. And so over the last few days and at her debate against uh, Raphael Warnock, you saw Kelly Loeffler talking about this. They are now going to everybody must vote. And it's sort of incoherent. It's sort of I guess the case they're making is it's rigged. But if we vote enough, we might be able to overwhelm the rigging. The reality is that it's Republicans in Georgia that have actually rigged the elections, if anybody has, through voter suppression tactics that have been completely out in the open. Voter purges, removing people from voter rolls, reducing early voting hours, um, so on and so forth. We've been covering it for a very long time. Do I think ultimately that many Republicans are going to stay home because of the conspiracy theories? I don't think so. I don't think so. And before you know, this has actually become a little controversy within the show's audience. On the Monday show, I said I have been advocating for more participation and more voting for a decade on this program. So I'm not going to suggest to Republicans that they not vote because it goes against one of the fundamental principles that I have. Obviously, I would rather Republicans see the light and vote for the right people, but I wouldn't be able to live with myself if now I start saying stay home Republicans. But I did say I'm not going to go out of my way to change Republican minds if they've already been convinced not to vote by claims that it's rigged. And I actually got a few emails from people saying, David, why not tell Republicans not to vote? Uh, they're voting for absolutely horrible people. And, and again, it's the principle. This is not a program that activate uh, that uh, advocates for not voting. And I understand if Republicans stopped voting, then uh, the left could easily win. But it's if you know me, you know that that's not how I operate. I know that many will say, why aren't you stooping to their level? They stoop to their level and they don't care. Well, I do care. I do care. I uh, I'm taking the high road on that. But if Republicans want to insist that they shouldn't vote because it's rigged, by all means, go ahead and do it. And I would gladly accept uh, Republicans losing those two seats because they believe that their voting is actually rigged. Go ahead. But in the end, I think most Republicans are going to vote. Hey, David, are Democrats going to get destroyed in 2022 as most new parties in the White House do during their first midterm election? So we have a lot of different things. We There's a lot of sort of uh, uh, milestones that will be part of the 2022 midterm elections. First of all, these will be the first midterms after the removal of Donald Trump. In many ways, Donald Trump was sort of a crossing of the Rubicon. It was a before and after that we will all remember in American politics. And so now that Trump has been removed, is in the process of being removed. I believe that there is some uncertainty as to what we would expect in the first non Trump era midterms. Number two, 2022 will be the first election with the newly drawn districts of the 2020 census. Number three, it is true that the party uh, out of the White House tends to do well in their first midterms. But I actually do think that the 2022 midterms could be midterms where the Democratic Party does well, even though it wouldn't really line up with the historical trend. So there's a couple different things going on here. First of all, if Joe Biden gets a second coronavirus stimulus passed and starts getting us out of the, the pandemic, which will, of course, be helped dramatically by vaccines that are soon to be approved, and we see cases and deaths declining significantly in the second half of 2021 and into 2022, and we really he see what feels like a return to normal, by standard uh, measures, the economy does well. Unemployment continues uh, uh, decreasing significantly. Um, GDP recovers, et cetera. Um, you could really see Democrats do very well in 2022, much like Republicans did well uh, in the first midterms after 9-11 in 2002. Bush had post 9-11 and did well in those midterms. Biden could be the post covid president and Democrats could actually do very well in 2022. The other signal and this is so early. I mean, we're we're getting to the end of the year. We're speculating here, but it's so early to really be thinking about this. If we continue seeing this slight shift among suburban voters from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party, that could be a big factor 
again, depending on what redistricting looks like on the basis of this year's census, Biden's 2022 suddenly doesn't look nearly as bad or risky uh, as many first term presidents. Obama 2010 comes to mind. Obama 2010 was a disaster. You had the Tea Party movement. You had, yes, some racism that was reflexively coming out in 2010. Uh, you also have in the Senate, Democrats don't have as many tough seats to defend in 2022. They will have to figure out the seat held by Mark Kelly because that's up again in 2022. I believe. I hope I'm not wrong about that. Republicans will have to defend seats in Ohio, Wisconsin, Florida. Those would be big fights. And then you are going to have some likely incumbent Republican retirements as well. Could be Pennsylvania, could be North Carolina. Chuck Grassley in Iowa could be a, a likely retirement. He's an old, significantly older guy. He could be close to 90, right? By uh, 2022. So the Senate map back in when was it? Hold on. 27, 2018. I guess after the 2018 midterms, I've been saying I see 2020 Senate as very tough for Democrats. I see 2022 Senate as more of an opportunity for Democrats if they can just roughly hold or gain a little bit in 2020. Um, we may indeed be heading in, in that direction. So I think that there's a real chance that Democrats actually do really well in 2022. Too early to tell. We'll be following it. And uh, that will be let's get past the Biden in inauguration. Let's start decreasing the number of cases and deaths from the virus. Let's really focus on that. And then we'll, we will get to 2022. There will be time. We've got a great bonus show for you today. Get instant access by becoming a member at joinpacman.com. Coupon code available, never mandatory, but available at your discretion. The coupon code Fresh Start, all one word, all lowercase, saves you gobs of money on a membership. We will see you then.